The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. Hi, everyone. So we have another guest here today. I'm bringing back someone from one of my earliest episodes. We have Dr. Valentina Leonette here, and we probably won't go super into her background with like dental school and everything. Cause we have a whole episode about that. So you can listen to that one as kind of a prequel for this episode of where she is now. Um, but thanks for being here, Valentina. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to be back. It seems like it was forever ago, but not so long ago when I was first here with you. I know it really does. I think it was when I was first starting dental school and now I'm in my third year and you're graduated Mm -hmm. and practicing and lots of exciting things to talk about. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. I am too. It's been a lot of changes in the past couple of years. Yes. I'm sure you have a lot of good insight (laughs) to give people kind of maybe what to expect and some advice. So I'd love to share that for a little overview, just for some background context, once you graduated from dental school, where did you go? How did all that work? So my life is kind of a, a puzzle, a big puzzle piece we're putting together right now. I think that's the best way to describe it. But um, just for a little bit of reference, I'm currently living in Sioux City, Iowa. If you don't know where that's at, that's an hour north of Omaha. So <laughs> Creighton people probably know where I'm at. Um, but yeah, I'm currently in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm working um, for DSO. And that was kind of my plan starting the end of third year. You know, I kind of knew where I wanted to go. I ended up in Iowa because my boyfriend moved up here for work. We're engaged. So he's my fiance, I guess. <laughs> um, he moved up here for work. We're getting married soon. And so it just made sense to kind of be together. And I found this great opportunity up here. And I just packed my bags and moved up north. But then in that transition period between ending dental school and moving up here to Iowa, I had the great opportunity to invest in a dental office. So I bought a private practice in Arizona. (laughs) So right now I'm currently working in one office in Iowa and managing another one in Arizona. Wow. That's impressive. And I mean, those are not like nearby locations. Like that is a lot to handle. So I guess we'll first talk about your work as an associate, your work in Iowa, how all of that got started and how it's going. And then we can talk about the practice acquisition and everything. But for working at the DSO and moving to Iowa, what was kind of that job search like? And how were your first uh, initial months there? So it's, it was an interesting path for me. Um, my fiance didn't get the job offer until later in my third year. So beginning my third year, or 
later in my fourth year. So beginning my fourth year, you know, when is when you start thinking about jobs and where I'm going to go, um, I was already kind of set on the DSO path because I'm an international student. So if you listen to the previous episode, you're kind of familiar with my journey. But DSOs is just an, an easier way to go about working in the U.S. Um, not that it's easy, but it's easier than doing it through a private practice. And so I always had my heart kind of set on that path. I also felt like I needed um, that support as a new grad. And I was just looking into different DSOs. And it just happened to work out for me with Heartland Dental. Um, I remember my first couple interviews, I was just like, not so much looking for a DSO itself, but more of the doctors I was going to be working with. And in this particular office, I'm the only dentist. So I was like, okay, I say I needed help and now I'm on my own. What am I going to do? But it's actually been really great to have other doctors I can bounce ideas off of. And being on my own has really taught me a lot about myself. Um, the past couple months have been good. They've been pushed, like I've been pushing myself a lot. And it's also been challenging because there's things that I still don't know. Um, I'm still learning, but it's been a great couple months for me. So when did you guys graduate in May? Mm-hmm. Like last summer. Okay. And then how long of a process was it to sign contracts, move, get started? Like when did you actually start working at this office? So I signed it pretty early on um, because of my condition as an international student, paperwork just takes a little bit longer. So um, I guess I didn't have that luxury of waiting until the end and then thinking about where I was going to go and stuff. So I actually signed my contract in December of my fourth year. So I was ready to go by that time. And granted, this is just a particular situation. Um, This office really needed someone. I was looking for a place. I committed to it. And so um, that's kind of how it worked out. So for all of you that are looking, don't feel like you need to sign anything (laughs) early on. I just had my mindset on it. It was what I wanted. It worked out. And I was like, why am I going to keep looking? You know, it's kind of like dating. Like, why am I going to keep looking if I found the person? So (laughs) that's how I felt with this practice. And it's been great so far. But yeah, I needed to sign early on. So I signed it in December. I went through all my credentialing processes, you know, have to get your license, have to get, there's a bunch of paperwork you need to do um, after you graduate. So if you guys didn't know this, there's a lot of paperwork coming your way (laughs) if you're about to graduate. But um, I took that month, like May through June to make sure I had everything. And then I started working officially July 1st. Okay. So it's been several, uh, several months, but I'm sure... Mm -hmm working, like you said, in a solo office is a big different experience than like having someone with you all the time to check things with, but that's the biggest thing. The first time I didn't have anyone check my prep, I was like, are, are you sure? Like, I, <laughs> I feel like I need someone to look at this, even though you know what you're doing. Um, I guess that feeling never truly goes away. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like someone should be supervising. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're, you're still so early in like the big scheme of things. Like to me, I'm like, wow, like you're practicing. That's so amazing. But like to you, you're probably like, I'm just getting started. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's all relative. That's exactly how it is. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny because you're in school and you're like, I just want this freedom and I want to be able to do all these things. Like I know what I'm doing. And then you get into real world and you're like, I like the freedom. I know what I'm doing. I just, for some reason, still need kind of like that validation that you get at school. (laughs) 
yeah, I'm sure it takes some time to get comfortable with everything, but you're getting there and you'll keep getting more and more confident on just flying solo. Um, I had one other question that when you were talking, I thought about it when you're talking about all the paperwork and everything. So I'm like not even probably halfway through my third year, but I'm thinking ahead for next year for Mm -hmm. jobs and everything other than boards exams for graduating. Are there any other expenses that you would say people Mm -hmm. should prepare for when it comes to like graduating and if there's anything else with like licensure I don't really know if there's other costs or if it's more just like if you have to move somewhere there is a lot that comes with it and I don't think every school prepares us for it because I've seen especially on Instagram a lot of us talking about how we didn't expect all these things um life after dental school is expensive just so everyone's aware um I was counting kind of like on my contract on my bonus I got a bonus because I'm a Chiowa but you know I was like counting on all these things and I'm like oh I don't get this until I start working and I have to pay for all of this before I start working so I feel like someone should have warned me um so yeah there are a couple things at least in Arizona and in Iowa you have to take a uh, jurisprudence exam which is basically like laws and regulations and I know there's some states that require it um some you need some eligibility to be able to take it like before you register um the board needs to clear you to take it so there's little things i would look into depending on the state you're planning on practicing in i can help you guys with iowa and arizona um but the other states i don't really know i know for california listeners there's it takes longer in california than anywhere else because you need certain things done um before you can even apply to take the test So that's something to think about if you're trying to start practicing like June, maybe it won't happen. It depends on when you graduate and how quickly the process goes. And then on top of that, you have to get, so that's in order to get your state license, then you have to get your um, NPI number, which no one really kind of talked to me about how to get an NPI number. So you have to get an NPI number and then your um, controlled substances. So if you're going to prescribe any medications or, you know, especially narcotics, you need to get your DEA and your DEA. Let me tell you guys, it's expensive. They last for three years, but it's expensive. So (laughs) um, I think I paid, I can't remember the numbers clearly, but it was somewhere close to $800 for it. So something to prepare for. Okay. That's good to know. I imagined there were like all these little things here and there, Mm -hmm. and of course nothing really comes for free. Let's be honest. So good to know. Exactly. (laughs) There's a lot of and I don't, it's not to scare you, it's more to prepare you because I started going through it and I was like, oh, I didn't know I had to pay, pay this much for a license. And I was getting a license in two different states. So just, I, my head was just kind of in two different places. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I had a few more questions about your... Mm -hmm associate work um, before we jump into the ownership side of things. Mm -hmm. So can you just like describe your first day walking into the office as the dentist? Like, what was that like? How did it go? (laughs) I love this question because it, I still think about that day. It felt surreal. 
Um, the first day of work, so my first week was kind of just getting used to the office and everything. There was still a dentist, another doctor there. So I was just kind of seeing how the structure and the flow of the office was before they just let me go. So my first day was actually just kind of shadowing the office, getting to know um, my team members and stuff. But the following week, it was like my, it was, it's me. And I look at the schedule and there's like two crown preps and a bunch of fillings. And then I have to do hygiene exams and like all these things that I was like, whoa, how am I going to do this? You know, and I just told my team, I'm like, hey guys, I need you to have my back regardless. You know, if I'm running behind, just let patients know I'm running a little behind. I'll try not to, but just bear with me. And my team did a really great job. They, they are awesome. Um, they have done a really good job of supporting me. And they're like my number one fans. Like they're always rooting for me. If I have a complicated extraction, they're like, you can do this back. Like you got this. So, you know, it's fun to have that kind of work environment, but it felt surreal. It was, but you know, I constantly had that feeling of someone should be checking on me. Someone, someone should be here just in case. What if something goes wrong? Who am I going to run to? And, you know, when I got done with that first day, I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, like that, it's, I'm okay. I, I survived. And then I just, next day was the same thing. And then I finished a full week. And I was like, wow, okay. Like I got the hang of this. And then, you know, you walk into the second week and you have a hard day and you beat yourself up because that's normal. Um, and I had a comp like a complicated extraction. I had to refer it. And I was just like, I'm such a letdown. You know, I can't even extract a canine. Um, which is, uh, canines are hard to extract, let's just be honest, but <laughs> still, I, I was beating myself up, and I think two months in now, I'm realizing, like, we all have hard days, and when I talk to other doctors, and even dental students, it just it puts it into perspective, like, we're all constantly going through hard days, and good days, and bad days, and you just have to be kind to yourself, but definitely being in the dentist position, I... I think a lot of things make more sense now. Like, you know, when you're in school, patients won't really tell you everything. And then, you know, your clinical director comes in and they'll tell them everything. And you're like, I asked you that question. Why didn't you tell me? See, I'm in that position now where they don't tell my assistant stuff and then they'll tell me and my assistants get so frustrated. And I have to remind them I was in your position once, so <laughs> it's okay. But making all the calls, it, it gets intimidating sometimes. Like there's days and I question if I made the right call or not, but it's, it comes with a job, you know, and all I can tell myself is I'm doing my best. I'm giving my 100% and patients seem to really appreciate it when you're honest with them. That's all really good advice and honest experience that I appreciate you sharing. It's good that there's been a lot of good days and maybe not as many bad days. That's always a nice something to look yeah. back and reflect on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's been really good days and my patients here are awesome, but we all have our days. You know, when I couldn't get that extraction, I had to refer out. I was panicking. Um, for context, there's only one oral surgeon in town and he's booked out for months. So I try not to dig into really complicated extractions because I don't have anyone in the office to bail me out. And if that oral surgeon can't get the patient in, then I, I have to, you know, scramble. And being new to the area, I don't really know all the doctors as well yet. So it's not like I have a trusted person that I know I can send a patient to. Um, so that's really been one of my biggest things. It, being a small town, there's not as many specialists. 
So a lot of the things that come through the door, I'm like, well, either I do it or they're going to have to drive an hour and 45 minutes for someone else to do it. So that's been that I think that's been the most challenging part for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I've heard that with the more like rural locations that general dentists do a lot more procedures and different types of procedures because the patients really need it and it's hard for them or maybe they can't get somewhere else. So that's very admirable. <laughs> yeah. It's, as a general dentist, I think we see a lot of things um, and we, we have to know our limitations because if we try to play hero, sometimes it, it'll backfire. Yeah, that's important too. And especially starting out, this was going to be my next question. These past few months, are you, do you feel like you're mostly doing procedures that you gained confidence in during dental school or have you started doing things that were kind of out of your comfort zone already? I think I'm doing things that are out of my comfort zone. Um, but I also had, I, I give credits to my school. I went to ASVO, AP Phil, Arizona School of Dentistry. Um, I had a really good experience, clinical experience, especially my last year on my external rotations. Um, so I was prepared to do surgical extractions and molar root canals and all that stuff. So I've been doing it. So like I said, case selection is the biggest part. Um, there's patients that I know, even if I mess up quotations, because, um, I don't think we necessarily mess up. We just run into, um, unpredictable circumstances, but I know I have patients that will be understanding versus there are patients that you know, will think you just did a bad job, even if it was out of your control. So for me, the biggest part has been case selection and knowing my boundaries. Like I'm still not doing wisdom teeth extractions just because I want to get really good at regular extractions right now. Um, and that's terrible because not terrible, but I wish I could do the wisdom teeth extractions because a lot of my patients need them. But I also know that I wouldn't be doing them a huge favor if I attempted to do something I'm not comfortable with yet. So it's learning when to step out of that comfort zone, but still being um, cognizant that you have skills you're still trying to develop. That makes sense. And I'm sure that's something that's a little different for everyone, depending on where their like strengths and weaknesses lie. So it's good to have that self-reflection when you're going into practicing. I agree. And for me, um, I've, and if you've met me in person, you probably heard me talk about this, but implants are not really like my favorite thing to do. Um, I'm not, at this point in my life, not really interested in like placing implants and doing all these things because I feel I can be more helpful to my community by doing extractions or root canals or just restorative and stuff like that. Um, I recently started doing Invisalign as well. So I have other tools for my toolkits that don't necessarily revolve around implants that I can still help patients. So it's more about what you feel comfortable with, what you want to do, and definitely what your strengths and weaknesses are. So I also wanted to talk about, and you kind of mentioned it at the beginning, that right before you graduated, you got that opportunity to buy into that practice. Can you talk more about that? And then like the fact that you don't work in Arizona right now? <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to explain. So bear with me because I'm still even getting a grasp on all this. But so um, I think I talked, this, talked about this in the first episode, but my parents are both dentists. Um, they're in Venezuela. And, you know, one of my dreams coming to the U.S. was to own a dental practice. And I never really thought it would happen this quickly. But over time, I, you know, I started doing, going to conferences and learning about practice ownership. And 
my dad happened to send me this practice that was, you know, everything we were looking for to start off. And he was like, what do you think about doing this? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like I already signed a contract. I can't back out of my contract and I really want to work there. But also this is like a one in a lifetime opportunity. Like what, what do I do? So, you know, we started looking into things and my parents have been my greatest supporters. You know, they're like, we want you to do whatever you feel comfortable with. And it felt like a lot, like I was taking on this huge responsibility but like I said, it was this one in a lifetime opportunity. And we were like, you know what, we're going to do it. It's going to be kind of like our family um, business, even though my parents, they're in the process of moving to the States. They're not really here yet. You know, it's, it's, it was just a lot of moving pieces, but we said, let's do it. We'll find a way to make it work. And that's kind of what we've been doing. So I went into this office. It's a small practice. It has three ops. Um, it was a retiring dentist. And he just wanted to sell it. And we were like, okay. Well, we went through the whole thing. Um, and we ended up buying the practice. And so then the next set of steps came, which was, okay, I'm not going to be working it. I have to find an associate or someone to be in the office. And so that was, it's a whole thing on its own because, you know, I learned about buying the practice. I didn't know, I still don't know um, how to manage an office specifically. Like, other associates I'm a recent grad like are they going to even respect me because they're older than me like all these things going through my head but you know things happen for a reason and they worked out for me and the stars are aligning however you want to call it but I have a great team in the Arizona office as well um, right now it's only running part-time because we're still ironing out some details um, buying a practice is not smooth sailing so if you think that's how it goes just <laughs> there's a lot that comes with it too um, but I'm really excited for this opportunity because I get to venture into two different, very different worlds of dentistry, the DSO side and the private practice side. Um, and I get to bring my expertise from both areas into each other. And it's only been two months and I, I say expertise as if it's a lot, but I think I, I have a lot to grow with. Um, I have great teams on, in two states. Right now, what's hard is balancing my time between one and the other. Um, because I have responsibilities for one office and I have responsibilities for another one. Um, but I think it's working out so far. It was, it was one of those things that if I hadn't done it, I would have probably regretted it down the road. So I just decided to go for it. Do you spend time at the Arizona office or is it all just like virtually managing? So kind of a mix of both. Um, I have my office manager over there, which I trust. Um, she was at the office before she kind of knows how things run. Um, and they report back to me almost on a daily basis. Like I'm not, I don't want to say I'm micromanaging, but they know that they have to run things by me. And my parents have been a great help too. Like I said, they're kind of going back and forth. So if I can't be at the office, they're the ones that have been going to the office just to make sure things are working properly. And I try to go to the office once a month. It's been really hard because um, as a first year with Heartland, I have to travel and take a lot of CE courses. So if I'm honest with you, I think this is the second weekend I'm home <laughs> in the two and a half months that I've been here. Like I have literally been traveling every single weekend. So if I'm not home, I am at a CE course. And if I'm not a CE course, I'm traveling to Arizona. So I try to go at least once a month, which also gets complicated, but it's, you know, it's how I'm trying to make it work. 
Well, that makes complete sense. There's only so much that you can do. You only, you're one person and there's only so many hours in the day. So I get it. Um, I was also curious. So like your situation was super unique with this opportunity coming up and just going for it. And you basically were just graduating, but what advice would you have for dental students that know they want to own a practice and they don't really know when or how to know if it's the right time? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think my timing was right. <laughs> I just, just like, I am crazy. I am diving into a new job in another state, buying a practice in a state I'm not going to be living in, and I'm planning a wedding. Um, this is not the right time. <laughs> but it, I don't think there's ever going to be a right time. Uh, I think there's always things we're going to be learning. Um, did I think I was going to own a practice straight out of school? Absolutely not. But the opportunity presented itself. The only reason I felt confident in doing it is because I know myself and I knew that I had taken the time to learn about practice ownership. And I, honestly, I have great mentors. Like my parents have been unbelievable. But even when I can't talk to my parents, I know I have someone I can go to and ask questions. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, my advice for anyone thinking of owning a practice, even if you don't know if you'll really do it, start learning about it. Start learning about what it's like to be an owner, what you would need, um, relationships with banks. That's super important. You need to have a bank you trust and talk to them about what your goals are and stuff. Um, you need to start looking into credit cards and you know how you're going to be able to afford it all because it's not only just, oh, I'm going to buy a practice. Like, no, there's, there's stuff you need to think about, especially with student loans. Like, there's so many things that play a key factor into the process of practice ownership. But I do think it's doable if it's something you really wanna do. It's hard because some people want it to be like a quick, easy solution. You know, I buy a practice, it's working and that's it. It's not like that at all. I thought it was gonna be like that even knowing, I was like, oh yeah, like three months will be good. No, (laughs) we're still ironing out details and I have had to, try things and find out that it doesn't work and then go back to figuring it out again. Um, So it's just, it's a big compromise. It's a big risk to take on, but I'm excited for it. And that's also why I didn't want to give up kind of this position I'm in right now with Heartland, because I feel I can grow from managing an office from a distance. You know, I'm, I'm learning, I'm living in two different worlds right now, but I'm learning from both of them. And I think both of my teams also benefit greatly from it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I was also curious. I mean, I know a lot of dentists that if they're starting up a practice, they keep their other associate role because you need an income. Mm-hmm. Is there anything contractually or like legally that you need to be worried about if you're like starting up a business, but you have another job? I mean, it's not like a non-compete because it's like states away, mm-hmm. but were there anything that you had to do specifically for that? Yes. And I love that you brought that up because I kind of like I put that in a drawer in my head and forgot about it. 
but it is very important that you disclose all your intentions. Um, when I signed my contract, I like I said, I had no intention of purchasing this practice. It was literally like within, it was right before graduation that I was like, oh, oh, we're doing this. Like, I need to get my Arizona license. I, I had done everything for my Iowa license. I didn't even think about that Arizona one. But to go back to your original question, I had to basically call the DSO I'm working with and say, hey, this is a situation I'm in. Um, I'm doing it for this reason. I am not planning on not working at the Iowa office. Like I'm still going to be committed to my, I work 36 hours. So my 36 hour week, um, I'm getting at my 100%. I just know this is kind of like my personal investment. Like someone invests in cryptocurrency, I'm investing in a dental practice. Like it has nothing to do with me not wanting my job. It's more of an opportunity that presented itself. And so I did have to sign some papers because of my position with Heartland, which is just something mine personal. But other than that, it was very straightforward. I think it changes if you're within the same state or, you know, proximity, but they were super easy to work with. They were very helpful, didn't really have a lot of issues, but it's important to disclose what you're doing. Like, just so you guys know, they kind of basically run background checks on you guys, or they know where you're practicing, like your license shows up. So even if you, if I had a different license in another state, they would know it. <laughs> so you need to make sure you have all your, like, make sure you're disclosing everything. It's not a bad thing. Don't feel guilty about having multiple opportunities. Just make sure you're talking about it. Some people might be easier to work with than others. It just depends on the situation. Before we finish some more questions about your mm -hmm. office in Arizona, I thought of a couple more questions that I think would be helpful for mm -hmm. fourth year dental students and everything related to contracts for associate roles. Mm -hmm. So I've heard of like, look out for this in a contract. This is bad. This is good. Certain things. What would you say are important things for dental students to keep in mind when they're reviewing their contracts? So I, it's funny because I was on the side of receiving a contract first. You know, I signed my contract, went through it, did everything people tell you, have a lawyer, look through it. If you can't afford to pay a lawyer, so let's be honest, it can be expensive. At least have one of your trusted professors at school go through it. Um, especially if they worked in private practice or something like that, they'll usually point out key things. Um, in my case, it was a DSO. The contract is usually pretty standard. I still had someone go through it with me, explain things to me because there's words in there that don't make sense as a dental student. And it looks like it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. And then you realize, oh, there's this little clause and this little thing. So I would encourage you to find someone to go through the contract uh, with because it makes a difference. Um, we think we know more than we actually do. Now, on the other side, when I started looking for associates, I had to draft up a contract. And I was like, I don't know the first thing about drafting up a contract. And I can't use the DSO one because I'm not DSO. So I went with a lawyer. Um, she is amazing. If you guys need anything gentle in Arizona, I will recommend her with my eyes closed. Just reach out to me. She was great in helping me draft up the contract. And I actually learned a lot from drafting up the one for our associates versus my own. I was like, oh, I didn't know what that meant. Oh, I didn't know this would be a thing. Oh, you know, like I, I kept learning all these things. But one of the biggest things is your non-compete clause. 
you never think you're going to be as close to a dental office as you really are going to be. And when I was looking for associates, I said I had some great candidates that we just couldn't work with because of that non-compete clause. So um, not necessarily because it, it's just, it gets iffy when it's a part-time job. Like you don't want someone that's working literally like across the street from you. <laughs> so um, your non-compete is very important. Um, bonuses and all that stuff, make sure you get it out written in detail. Um, same thing with um, your compensation. Make sure they explain how exactly you're gonna be compensated, how your deductions are gonna go, because it's easy to fall for a really nice, shiny, bright contract. And then you realize all these little words in there mean that you're not necessarily getting everything you're promised. So just make sure you're having someone go through it. And if you, if it's still not like crystal clear, ask questions. Like they shouldn't be pressuring you into signing a contract that you don't feel comfortable with. And another thing I know that's usually people highlight and like about DSOs is that you have like a 401k and healthcare all kind of included because they do have that big backing of being an organization versus mm-hmm. private practice. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. How did you go about handling those sorts of things for your associate at the private practice? It's hard because obviously I want to give them everything I'm receiving. You know, I'm like a with DSO and I want to hand this all to them. But with every decision, there is a consequence, you know. Um, in my case, and this is no secret, Harlan has a lower compensation. It's only 25% and it's standard. Like anyone that works with Heartland gets 25% of collection. Um, but we do get other benefits with it. So in my case, it wasn't so much about the compensation, but more about what I was going to receive aside from that. You know, their CE courses are extraordinarily good. And I, that's something I wanted, you know, like maybe I'm not getting this much money on this side, um, you know, come for production, but I'm at least getting it in my CE credits. And so that was kind of where my head was at. And I tried to do something similar with my associates. So even though they work part-time, what we try to include were some benefits like um, credit for CE hours. So we're encouraging them to go to these CE courses or we'll pay for certain courses for them to attend that we think is important for the office. Um, So it's just kind of balancing everything. It was really hard for me. Luckily, the doctors I'm working with like I said, they're working part-time right now. So it was a little bit easier to navigate and they understood the whole, we're a new office building up concept. Um, and they're, they've been really grateful for where we're at with the office right now. And I'm really grateful for them. So if, they're, if they happen to listen to this, just know I love you guys. <laughs> I'm really, really happy with, with how things are going. Yeah, these are all good examples of what you were saying before, like understanding both sides of different ways mm-hmm. that dentistry is run. You're learning so much. So I'm excited like two more years from now to pick your yeah. brain because I'm sure you'll <laughs> know even more awesome things to share with people. So um, I have a couple more questions and yeah. I want to end on a high note. So mm-hmm. before that, though, what are any more challenges, would you say, with starting this new office? Some other things we maybe haven't talked about yet. I think um, suppliers, you never think about what product you're using at school. At least I know I didn't. Like, I paid attention, you know, we use this, you know, we use Pilot It and we use Garrison and we use um, whatever filling you know, resin and uh, 
you know, trays, but I never thought about ordering all these things and the difference in price it would make or, you know, the office we purchased was very old school. Like when I say old school, it was paper charts and no computers. Like it was very old. And so I was like, oh yeah, like great price. We'll just revamp it. Yeah. Revamping an office, that's a huge investment. And so I don't think I had necessarily planned for all this. I planned for everything else, you know, like associates and assistants and a hygienist and, you know, a sensor, like all the basic stuff that I knew I used as a dentist but not so much everything else that comes with it, like buying computers and security cameras and software, like the software you use, the uh, practice manager software. In school, we use Axiom. And then, you know, there's all these different options and it, you have to make a decision on a time crunch because they're like, oh, you have five to six weeks before it arrives. And I'm like, I don't have five to six weeks. Like I, I want it now. And so I, I, a lot of it was learning that I didn't, I missed key elements because it's the first time I'm doing it and um, it's worked out. We're fine. We made it like it, it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be, but that's definitely something I didn't think about or like where I would purchase stuff. You know, um, there's so many different supply chains that you can get things from and it like 10 cents makes a difference when you're buying something every week. So I think that's been honestly one of the biggest hurdles we've had to face is just figuring out all these little things we're kind of getting in the flow of things right now and my associates have been great at you know sharing their experience with me and voicing like oh I can use this I'd rather use this so that's where we're at but I think that's one of the things you forget about when owning a practice it's like oh there's more to it than just the equipment like <laughs> we need to get so many more things yeah, I'm sure that's been a lot to manage, but your practice looks beautiful. People can see it thank on your you. Instagram. Everything yes, that you've done you. is awesome. <laughs> if I see oh. before and after pictures, you wouldn't believe me. So <laughs> yeah, I would have to see the befores. I just saw the afters and it looked so it looks great. I feel like it does like emulate your personality a little bit too. Like you can tell you. your personal touches on it and everything, which I think is so special. Yes, thank you. <laughs> So the high note I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. So what is your kind of vision for this practice? Are you hoping for you and your fiance to eventually move back to Arizona? Do you want to get it successful and sell it? Do your parents want to help manage it still? Like what's kind of the outlook? I don't know. Like I don't have a, a definitive answer. I have so many ideas running through my head right now. Um, I think I'm in a great point of my life where I'm just taking risks and seeing where life takes me. And that's how I ended up in Iowa. Um, I was just like, you know what? He's moving up there. It's, and my initial contract is two years. I'm like, I'm, I can live anywhere for two years. So I'm going to move up there. And we were talking about it last night. We we're like, are we moving back to Arizona? Like, I don't know. We'll see where we end up. Cause we never thought we would end up in Sioux city, Iowa. Like, Two years ago, if you had asked me that question, I would probably said, no, I'm not moving to Iowa. I'm staying in Arizona. And now I'm here. And so it's just, I, as much of a planner as I am, I've learned that I don't have control over everything. Like this all just was thrown onto me. And I'm just excited to take it. Like I said, one day, one week at a time, see where it goes. Would I love to go back to Arizona? Right now I'm saying yes. Don't quote me in two years if I end up somewhere else. <laughs> but Um, even if I stay here, like, it's just everywhere I've been, it has been so special to me. 
that it's hard to say where where I'm going to be next. Um, Our life just kind of keeps changing. It's up and running. But my vision for the practice is definitely to get it growing, to emulate, you know, my family, our family ownership kind of thing. More than it being just my practice, I think it's like a thank you to my parents for everything they've invested in me and just showing them like, hey, we did it, you know. They might not necessarily be the ones working it or I'm not the one working it, but it's ours. Like we did this. And maybe, I don't know, I think down the road, I'd probably want to own a couple of practices. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll do it through Heartland. I don't know if I'll do it through private practice. I don't know. Like it's just, I'm excited to see where I'm going. This is definitely not something that was in the books even a year ago. So yeah, it's it's been a good change, but I'm excited to see where your life takes me. Yeah, I feel like I'm like, looking at you and it's like me in the future. Like it's something I'm always learning during dental school. Exactly what you said. Like I can be such a planned and organized person, (laughs) but nothing is going to go how I expected it. Like everything, (laughs) like we don't have control as much as we'd like. So it's always Mm -hmm. something that I'm working on. And I also agree. I think it'd be fun to own multiple offices someday, somewhere. So we'll see. We'll see what we do. (laughs) I've learned I can't be resistant to change, you know, like when things come my way, I just need to embrace it. Yeah. That's something I'm genuinely working on all the time because I can say it as much as I want, but to Mm -hmm. actually act on it and not be scared to take risks is something that I still struggle with. So that's good that you're, like you said, in that phase of life (laughs) where you're just going for things because you have, you have the time and the drive to be doing that. So that's awesome. Yeah, now's the time to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any final advice for people listening before we wrap up? I think my biggest advice to everyone is what we just talked about. Like, don't be afraid of taking risks. Um, Even if you hit the ground when you're on your way to make that decision, like it it happened for a reason. Um, My story is not a smooth sailing story. I've had my hiccups along the way. But I'm in a really good place in my life right now. And I'm really happy to be able to share this with you guys because it's not your traditional, I wanted to buy a practice and I looked everywhere for it and I got there. Like It was just kind of, uh, it's all over the place. It's a giant puzzle piece. I'm still putting everything together. So just don't be afraid to make those risks. Like you never know where life is going to take you and you never know the benefits you'll get from making that decision. So don't be afraid of, of going for it. That is a great way to end things. And do you want to remind people of your Instagram page or anything else you want to shout out? Yes. Uh, my Instagram page is my last name, Leonette, L-E-O-N-E-T-T, dental at the end. So Leonette Dental. And just thank you for having me again. I love getting to share this with you. I love seeing your journey. And it's just, you know, let's keep going. Let's keep seeing what, what we can do. Definitely. Yeah. You're definitely an inspiration for me and I'm excited to see where things go for you. So thank you again for tonight. Thank you.